0: Postdoc Transformation, Postdoc Transformation, Postdoc Transformation. Invest in your Postdoc Transformation. Welcome to the seasonal show for scientists leaping into business. In every sponsored episode, we are happy to recommend Employers of Choice for you. Make sure to check your readiness to leave out of science with us for free as linked in the show notes. For your career transition, we offer customized career transition e-courses and memberships also at graduate schools all over the world. Maybe yours too. And if your university isn't yet our customer, enroll in your free email course for career transition made simple as linked in the show notes. I'm your host, Professor Dr. Eleanor Sui-Winkles, with my team who is rooting for you. And let's build your postdoc transformation with this episode. If you are strong in scientific methods, do you wanna know how you can leverage your strength into the decision-making context in business? In this Postdoc Transformation Show episode, Dr. Emily Rosenthal from the US will make you see how you can transfer your quantitative and qualitative research skills. In her own business, Masters of the Day with Dr. Emily, she helps leaders in the boardroom and or organizations to change in data-driven and sustainable ways. She helps scientists leaping into business to move from academic rigor to business agility. She'll talk about the importance of your personal mission statement. Let's dive right into our interview with Dr. Emily. So, Dr. Emily... I'm so, so mm. appreciative of your time. We all need inspiring role models that do something different based on their PhD. Mm. I want to start with two warming up questions, and I hope that you're yes, fine with that. Yes, please. All right. Are you game? I am game. <laughs> so, good. So, first things first, uh, are you a quant or a qualitative mixed design researcher oh, yeah. at heart? Ah, uh. Oh, my gosh, that's a great question. So
1: I think I'm a blend of qualitative and quantitative. Mm -hmm. My background is in communication and anthropology. Mm -hmm. I love data. I love numbers. I love the quant side. However, that is not my strength or my skill set. So I love having that because it's data-driven insights that kind of puts Mm -hmm. it with the human behavior and the organizational culture. So I find that I'm a blend of both kind of mixed methods design, that it also depends on your audience and how you're communicating mm-hmm. the data to them, that some, it could be the same type of data, and sometimes you present it in a quantitative form, and sometimes you present it in qualitative.
0: All right. Then I have another question that maybe is a little bit more juicy. Mm-hmm. So what's your worst but also your best business experience since you earned your educational doctorate degree? Oh, gosh. Since I
1: got my ADD, the best business experience I, th- I think would be actually the having it and I mean, an EDD is like a scholarly expert in the field, where my understanding, I don't have a PhD, but that's more the philosophy of, and it's a lot Mm -hmm. of academics and studying the theories, where an EDD, a scholarly expert in the field, it's still based on theory, it's based on frameworks, it's based on a lot of the information, but it's applied directly into the business or into the organization. So I think that probably the best experience is having the background that then I can apply in um, the organization. So in the professional, being an expert in the field, though I would say the worst experience is also how to communicate that to people. Talking about what our studies are and how it applies to the organizations that we work with, I would say is the best and the worst at the same time.
0: Mm Hmm, that's intriguing because I would have thought that, based on your explanation, that would be really a benefit. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, it's a benefit to have it over the, over the yeah, exactly over the PhDs that are mostly research. Yes oriented. I agree. I'm, and well equipped for research, but not so much for for organizations. Yes. And I think,
1: which lies with if somebody has a PhD or an ADD or any um, higher degree, it's how do you explain it to those that are mm-hmm. not in that academic setting. So, to start off and say, I have that, a doctorate in that, organizational change and leadership, people are like, oh, that's fascinating. And then it's Well, what does that mean?
0: Okay. That already is in it a real. Mm -hmm. Okay. So postdoc transformers, if you haven't been, you know, paying attention to that, the way you frame it makes the difference. Yes. So people in business don't know about the different doctoral degrees Mm -hmm. and to what extent they might be or not be applicable in business. So the way you frame it, will make the difference for you. Yes, and I would say
1: practice the communicating that it's taken even a year of feedback from other people or when I describe something, hearing how somebody asks questions, and it's almost as though you are crafting your elevator speech of who you are and just a little tagline, a little how are you solving a problem for someone, and that then just brings people in.
0: And once you have determined your readiness to leap and want to transition into business or industries, then you can enroll in your free email course with 10 actionable bingeable email lessons until you start your job in business. You'll get 10 emails like this. Number one, how to leap out of science. Number two, how to build your sustainable LinkedIn profile. Number three, how to read social media and network. Number four, how to research your favorite jobs and employers. Number five, how to do informational interviews to get insights. Number six, how to create your customized applications with ChatGPT. Number seven, how to prepare your thesis from a business point of view. Number eight, how to apply to your favorite employers. Number nine, how to choose the right job offer. Number 10, how to prepare for your new job. So now we'll be focusing on your topic, that is how to leverage scientific methodology Mm -hmm. in the business decision-making context. And that's really, I say that you are the expert for that because you've put so much thought into how to explain your business Mm -hmm. to others. And I think that this is already very scientific in the way of that you are testing this. I mean, you're saying that you should pitch and, and, and then you already said that you should take a lot of, you know, practice over a couple of years mm-hmm. with many different audiences and that's essentially hypothesis testing. All right, so first question, what were your transferable skills from your scientific research that you applied to your decision-making in your job roles? Do you have any examples? Back to what we already talked about, the
1: transferable skills is the research approach and depending on the topic designing your research based on what the needs of the organization and when i say organization this could be higher education focus this could be a nonprofit this could be a scientific research that organization is the approach for any type of the organization so i would say my most transferable skills are knowing the difference between qualitative and quantitative, and knowing how the data drives the insight. And so combining that with the human behavior, I like to tell people that I work with the people behind the technology.
0: Number two, have your rigorous analytical skills that you have developed in your academic career enhanced your problem-solving abilities in your job roles, or also in your own business? Because now you have masses of the day, right? Great. So. Absolutely.
1: I would say the analytical skills, like the rigorous honing it, my academic career are almost the cornerstone to how I solve problems now. So I went in and my field has not changed. However, my approach and how I run things is different. So it's enabled me to kind of take complex issues and be very strategic with the solutions that I have and also how I analyze the data so before it was more experiential based and now it's more data driven and understanding theories of change and the frameworks and so when i work with leaders or work with people within organizations there's a lot more background than to the skills that i'm able to bring
0: to the table when you're talking to leaders in their organizations mm-hmm. What kind of data do you collect and assess or Great interpret? question. So
1: as I love quantitative and it makes my heart so happy to know the data, I am not a quantum person. I am not the, I understand the data, I can interpret it, though some people live and breathe data and algorithms and equations and they just want to go into that. I find that I am someone that I can bridge the gap between the qualitative and the mm-hmm. quantitative. So I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. That I don't have that skill set, that strength to know about the data, though I understand the value of it. And I know that a lot of it is helping bridge the gap with the communication.
0: Mm-hmm. Good. And so you're doing interviews with the people, or are you collecting data with surveys? Oh, or? that's a great question. So I do
1: collect data. A lot of it will be data interviews in the initial process, but then also collecting data that they have. So I am will help oh, okay. analyze the data that they have. Or what's great as well is helping, if someone is working on technology and they're collecting data to help them understand, it could be, gosh, I work with organizations that are developing AI strategies or technical tools. And with that, to have a clinician or to have an expert at the beginning of the development with the data scientist then allows for it's one thing to collect the data but are you collecting all the data that you need and honing in kind of at the beginning for how the data is collected and what content and if you are collecting data organizations have people that are involved so a lot of people that are collecting the data might not know that they're sitting on this great tool and resource. So to help them understand and help them be a part of the data collection. All right,
0: cool. So I would assume there's a lot of unstructured data and data that is not used, usable. Yes. <laughs> that, yes. That might be disseminated. So that is interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're probably also looking at KPIs or, you know, mm-hmm key performance indicators yes. during the business processes. Next question would be number three. So what kind of challenges have you faced in bridging the gap, as you say, between the scientific and business world? It's initially about
1: translating the academic rigor mm-hmm. into business agility. So people mm. are used to having that you adapt fast in decision-making process when you work in the business side of things. Mm-hmm. And so kind of blending where you have a systematic approach to leadership, organizational development, or just ensuring the decisions are data informed, but also that they're contextually relevant.
0: Okay. So uh, question number four is how do you decide on how you want to collect the data so that you can make a choice before collecting the data?
1: So each client that I work with, each organization is different. And so balancing Mm -hmm. the data, if it's qualitative or quantitative elements, and kind of drawing on my diverse background with that, also that I have to take into consideration is how this is communicated to people. So Mm -hmm. people who might be in charge of the finances or the decision making might be more familiar with the qualitative approach to research where those in the engineering side of things might be more into the quantitative Mm -hmm. approach. So it's looking hard at what data they have and then considering the human element to all of it. So really understanding that the numbers are telling a story, that it's also, though, important to bring in the experiences and the perspectives like the perspectives of the people in the organization.
0: That's very interesting and intriguing. And did you know that we offer deep dive e-course workshops and memberships at graduate schools, maybe also at yours in the future? Ask your graduate school coordinator whether they want to book my services so that I can deliver them to you 24-7, 365 on your mobile device. And even better, if you get us paid by your grad school, We will pay you 50% recurring sales commissions. So you will earn money with us as we help you and your PhD besties to transition into business. We can build a poster transformation together. Woohoo! So one question I have now is what kind of clients do you have? is it are you working in specific industries or across industries is it small medium businesses or is it corporate or what kind of clients do you have initially i was working just with
1: executives in leadership development mm-hmm. and then i was able to expand into working in tech in the tech industry i've worked in advertising for years i've worked in the health field there's a lot of similarities to different industries. So I work with individuals, I work with a department or I work with a larger corporation with one aspect. Mainly what I've been focusing on since my doctorate is working within teams within a larger organization or with individuals. And those I'm either hired by the individual or I'm hired by the organization.
0: Quite a mixed Mm day-to-day job, right? How many clients do you have at the same time, or is it just one that you? I tend
1: to have about ten clients at a time, and those vary. So one client I could work with every week for an hour or two for three months. Another client, I have one now where it's doing a three-day seminar with their organization. So with those, my ultimate goal is to work myself out of a job. I don't want them to need me. So I'm there oh,
0: that's perfect. during I the times
1: it. of transition yeah. and change. And so ultimately, I am there to support them through the process of transitions and change.
0: Have you ever wondered how to make your grad school stand out in the crowded landscape of academia? Do you aim to attract the best master's students from all over the world to learn from and work with your professors so that your research remains globally recognized and well-funded? Do you wish to repel bad applications which aren't tailored towards your grad school's research profile? Now, let's talk about a powerful branding tool, podcasts. They're a game changer for higher education institutions. As a professor, active on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, and a podcast host and producer of this postdoc transformation show, I'm here to encourage all the graduate school representatives to think beyond the conventional marketing mechanism. Instead of being one of many vendors at a time-limited grad school fair, why not create a podcast that showcases your grad school as the ultimate destination for the world's best masters students share inspiring and encouraging stories of your top PhD students, high-profile alumni, your faculty, and the incredible opportunities your grad school offers. A podcast can be a window into your school's vibrant community, its cutting-edge research, and unique experiences. And in times of AI-generated marketing material, a podcast with your academic leaders in real life is a very human and innovative way to attract prospective PhD students. You can inform them every day, everywhere, not just during the typical grad school application seasons. This would prepare your best candidates for the application. Even better, you can support and make your current PhD students and postdocs visible for the next career steps in academia or business. Remember, successful graduates elevate your grad school's reputation. So, if you are a university chancellor grad school dean speaker consider this by launching a podcast for your grad school you can elevate your grad school's brand and tell aspiring scientists and employers what makes your grad school the best choice with scalable evergreen content if you're interested forward this to your marketing representative and get our list of 30 sample episode titles customizable for your grad school podcast and just enter an email address on my website www.postdoctransformation.com as linked in the show notes. As a seasoned professor and podcaster, I'm also happy to strategize about how you can launch your grad school podcast on Podbean, the podcast hosting platform we use for the Postdoc Transformation Show, supporting scientists leaping into business. So question number five, looking at your previous job roles and running your own business, How do you view risk assessment and hypothesis testing in the context of business decisions? So
1: risk assessment, hypothesis testing is very applicable in the academic setting and also very applicable in the business industry. So my scientific training has kind of, I feel it's been invaluable because it allows me to approach businesses risks and opportunities in more scientific approach. So I apply hypothesis testing as a framework with exploring new strategies, and it allows me to be able to pivot based on data and outcomes from the hypothesis
0: testing. Okay. So question number six is, what sparked your why to build your own masses of the day? I found it's
1: more about empowering leaders and organizations as they navigate the complexities that are going on. So I was fortunate early in my career to have someone work with me to write my own personal mission statement, which is to use my enthusiasm and resources to help others put their healthy intentions into action. And so it's perfect because it's a blend of the academic side and the innovative leadership that I love and really being able to see clients achieve like remarkable growth personally and professionally by applying these principles. And I am there to help guide them through the
0: little steps so they can get to the big changes. That's awesome. And I can see that from your own mission statement Mm -hmm. that it sprouted from there okay so you already talked about some clients and uh, that you're dealing with executives so can you share one or two success stories with your clients or what are the most biggest insights working Mm -hmm. with you so i'll say due to
1: confidentiality i'm not able to share names or organizations however i get this question all the time so a lot of when i work with clients it'll be either through transitions or they want to make a transition. And they want to be very systematic and thoughtful and they're putting a lot of time and energy into things. So maybe they want to sharpen their skills in the boardroom. They want to be better communicator with their team. They want to get a promotion or a raise and they want to be methodical with how they do it and make sure that they're structured. Or they could be someone that has this great career path, but inside of them, they have this creative side that they're not tapping into. And so helping them find the balance in between the two.
0: All right.
1: Who is your ideal client? Uh, I work with people. I will say I have found that those that have a sports background, meaning Mm -hmm. they participated in sports when they were in their youth or as their adults, that they understand the wins, the losses, the team dynamics, the goal setting, the setbacks, that I find that clients that have had that approach, it benefits them when they're making transitions and changes because they can apply it back to a foundation that they have already learned. And a lot of what we talk about when I work with clients too is I'm almost as though they're their teacher academic side of things, their coach, outside of the classroom. So we learn in the classroom about certain topics and we have syllabus, we have time frames, we know how we're being tested, we know what our grade is, and then we go into the real world outside of academics. And then at that point, Nobody's telling you, here's the syllabus for the change that you're making. Here's how you're being graded if you have an A or a B. So I'm there to help them understand the dynamics of that as well and help them almost create that structure that they would have had in their academic settings. And that very much applies to people that worked in academics for years. And then it's almost as though there's no structure. So how do you create structure in an environment that doesn't appear to have any structure. And so that's a lot of what I do with my clients in the business side of things as well because they are very educated. And now how are they, not being tested, but how do they know that they're being successful and moving in the right direction when they don't have the syllabus or the teacher to check back in
0: with? Hey, Postdoc Transformer, are you curious to ask professors, principal investigators, visiting scientists, postdocs, PhD students, and candidates some in depth life and career guiding questions. But if it's cringe, so you end up not asking? Buy our postdoc transformation card game to have more fun and valuable insights in your journal club, lab and mentoring meetings, lab rotations, during conferences, panels and breaks at the Mensa you'll get 10 intriguing mentoring questions per career level. So 10 for PhD students, 10 for postdocs, 10 for professors, 10 for parental scientists, underprivileged and underrepresented and underserved scientists. Check them out with our discount coupon on the Postdoc Transformation shop linked on postdoctransformation.com. So looking back at your graduate school experience, would you recommend your grad school and why?
1: Yes, I would recommend my grad school. My grad school is Mm -hmm. one of the top 10 in the world for sport leadership. A lot of people that go to the graduate program where I went to go into sports, whether it's collegiate or professional, they're aren't as many probably in the direction and the path that I went into. I went into sports because I see the value of if you're a grassroots organization or if you are in a corporate boardroom. It's about wins, losses, team dynamics, resilience, training. And when I finished the Peace Corps, I worked um, internationally for a couple of years and When I was done, I thought, do I want to get a master's of public health? Do I want to get a master's of nonprofit management? Do I want to get an MBA? So with that, I looked for a graduate program that could apply in the business, in the nonprofit,
0: in the public health. And now it's time to thank company ABC, who sponsors this episode of the Postdoc Transformation Show. I would now be reading the company's answers to one of six bold questions so that you can choose to apply. For example, number one, describe your most valuable experts versus leaders in your company. Have they typically earned a doctor title? Number two, for whichever company roles or units do you encourage somebody with a doctor title to apply? Number three, how would you describe your organizational culture in which your most valuable experts and leaders thrive in? To nominate an employer of choice so that we can ask our informative, bold questions, let us know via the click on the link. If you are a company representative, like in recruiting and employer branding, and now you want your company to be highlighted as an employer of choice for our audience, you can become a sponsor of a dedicated post of Transformation show episode. Just click on the link in the show notes. And now, back to the post of Transformation episode. so you already talked about your own motivation why you chose your grad school so looking back do you think there is an ideal candidate for that grad school i think it's great for anyone who's kind of curious or
1: resilient and ready to take on challenges within the sports field it also allows the ability for diver- diversity of thought And Mm -hmm. when you are working in an academic setting, when you're in a business setting, there's a lot of problems and solutions. And sometimes if you have everyone who works in the same industry in the room, then you don't have diversity of thought of seeing other approaches that could work. So from an engineering perspective, they might be able to apply something to medical. From a sports environment, they might be able to apply something to a marketing team.
0: Especially in nowadays time where you cannot really say what will be working, Mm -hmm. but instead you have to be working with whatever you Mm -hmm. have and then work out new solutions. That's why diversity of thought is really important. Have you found this episode so far helpful for yourself? Well, maybe you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get our show. And also share this episode with your PhD bestie because that would encourage us to help the underprivileged underrepresented and underserved early career scientists leaping into business. This would also ensure that you don't miss a future episode. Also, our subscription and listening numbers are key for finding the right sponsors for our show so that we can help you for free. And now, back to the show. So the next question is, is there anything I didn't ask but I should have asked you? I guess kind of the thing that I would
1: recommend is the importance of adaptability. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to science, when it comes to business, as we just talked about, new ideas, and willing to kind of change course based on the new information is very relevant. A lot of times people are emotionally invested or have spent a lot of time invested in solutions or problems or paths. And I would say be adaptable, be flexible, and be sustainable.
0: Oh, that's, that's a real in there. Remember, you are a postdoc transformer. You are highly intelligent, well-educated, a bachelor, master, and maybe you have already your doctor under your belt, or you are a postdoc. You are internationally experienced, fluent in English, a leader and expert in your prior research field. You're resilient, brilliant in adaptation and problem solving you are eager to bring in the transferable and monetizable skills needed in many companies to embrace the future and to become or remain an innovator in their markets. You probably read a lot of books on your topics. So are there any books that you wanna recommend on your topic? Oh gosh, I, this is where I wish I had a book club
1: for everybody that wants to read the types <laughs> of books that I read while people are reading more mainstream stuff I read autobiographies and business books and I probably have uh-huh. about 5 of them going at once and I'll rotate okay. Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller is a great
0: of it You I love do. It. Yes. A <laughs> yeah. great
1: book for helping you talk about your path and how you are there to help others and why they need to work with you. So I would say that's a great one. I also, right now, I'm reading Emily Post Etiquette book, which also talks about in the digital age. Um, I'm rereading, I've already read it multiple times, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Oh, yes. That one's a good one. Someone the other day recommended the Confidence Gap, and then Extreme Ownership. I, I think I read three books last week alone. I love <laughs> reading these topics, but then I'm also reading one about. Surely you're joking, Mister Feynman, and, um, he, it's about his scientific approach to things. So, Richard um, Feynman. Yes of reading one of his books and then also the autobiography of Andrew Carnegie and the gospel of wealth. So there is, and in praise of difficult women, these are probably the books that I am reading at the moment. And then for last week, I read Lifeboat 12 with my 10 year old. And so in each of these books, There is something that applies. There's Warrior Kid, which we just read, as a family as well. And with each of those books, there's something that I can bring into my clients. So a lot of working with my clients is helping them in the space that they're in. So I need to just have more understanding of where people are. So I go to where the people are instead of bringing them to where I am.
0: Oh, yeah, that's like meeting them where they are. Love it. I've got some more inspirational books that I need to buy and I'll make sure that I list them also in the show notes. You don't have a book club yet, right? No. I think I need to start one. (laughs) You should have. Count me in. (laughs) Okay. Done. Inspired okay. by. All right. So now that we've been talking about a potential book club that you will start and I will join, I really want to thank you for your time, Dr. Emily, for connecting the dots for postdoc transformers as also for master students who are thinking of, you know, earning a PhD, choosing a grad school that is a great fit for them. And I think that you have shared a lot of things that they should consider content wise but maybe also in the sense of are they the the good fit for the graduate school because i think that the more you are embracing the diversity of thought and diversity of personalities and backgrounds and industry or the cross industry experience the better you will benefit from whatever mm-hmm. academics will be able to tell you because the the real net worth will come from your network Thank you so much for connecting the dots on leveraging scientific methodology in business decision-making. Dr. Emily, how can my listeners reach out to you? Do you have a website or is there anything that you offer them? I'd love to be in touch with your
1: listeners and see how I can support them through their transitions of change. Mastersoftheday.com is the website that they can find me on. And they can also find me on Instagram as well. Which is
0: masters. Yeah, I already
1: shared your handle on
0: my story. So,
1: masters of the day for both of those, and find me on LinkedIn. If you go to the website, there's ways to connect and lots, lots of different social media outlets. But please be in touch, and the more I hear from your listeners, the more I know what I can do to support them and their transitions. Yeah,
0: I think that that bit on the mission statement was really important because. When you know your mission, then you can always dismiss yes ill-fitted job offers. And that's a great right. example
1: of having your mission statement is like a north star and it helps guide you on mm-hmm. your path and as you said, if there's something that doesn't align with your mission, a lot of times it helps you know what to say no to so you
0: can be on the path to yes. Okay, maybe I should visit your website and get the mission statement right. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much for this time. I know that I already want to invite you for a a second round or even a third round. So would you be game to come back to the show? i love it. I'm inspired just talking
1: about this now. That makes me want to be even more involved with what you're doing. Yes,
0: please. Do you want a transcript of our episode? And our episode sponsors answers to all six bold questions so that you can choose to apply. Do you want to nominate your potential employer of choice so that we can ask them our bold questions? For all of that, click on our links in our show notes and on our website, www.postdoctransformation.com. Remember to check your readiness to leap out of science and to enroll in our free email course, Career Transition Made Simple. Thanks for your attention. I'm Professor Dr. Elna Zoe-Winkus, the host of your seasonal Postdoc Transformation Show. Postdoc. Transformation